1 Peter 13 to 23, as Cliff read to us. As you probably know, now we're into July and August, uh, we've allowed visiting speakers to choose their own texts. So when I'm here, that includes me, I guess. And this is the one that felt appropriate for this morning. And in the NIV, in the Bible, NIV before versions and other versions, this section is called, in, in, normally entitled, Be Holy. Fairly, fairly simple. And holiness is a topic that should always be of pressing significance to us as Christians. As people who seek, not always doing it perfectly, but people who seek to walk <clears throat> in God's ways whilst living still in a world which is far from holy. And in church, um, in our personal lives and as well as Christians, as I said a bit earlier, we can be very t quick to talk about God's grace and the wonderful nature of that, almost using it sometimes as a get-out-of-jail-quick card. Um, but we can often be much slower to talk about God's holiness, which is fundamental. You know, we talk about God's love, you know, God's holiness, like these are part of God's character and they're fundamental to our understanding of who God is and who we approach at the table, which we're going to share later. This is called many things, the Lord's Supper, etc. It's also called Holy Communion, isn't it? Communion with the Holy. So this morning's reading uh, exhorts us to be holy, to continually to strive to be holy, even as we live in a world that is not. Never forgetting that it is God who calls us into communion with himself, and that God is holy. So verse 15 of the reading, be just as he who called you is holy, Peter says, so be holy in all you do. And he then quotes from Leviticus 11, verse 34, it is written, he said, be holy because I am holy. So the God we worship, the God we gather to come together to worship, is fundamentally and essentially holy. The Bible, whether you're in the Old Testament or the New Testament, emphasizes this point again and again and again. And I always find reading the Old Testament so instructive because it helps emphasize the separation that our sin causes when we meet, try and meet with the Holy God. And I think that sometimes can be instructive to be aware of. We are benefactors of the new covenant, the covenant of grace in Christ. But we must never forget that the one we worship remains the same, profoundly holy. And we must never take that grace we have in Christ for granted. The word still commands us to live holy lives, to strive towards holiness. So it's not a topic any of us can afford to approach lightly. There's no one here this morning, including me, I assure you, who can afford to take this lightly. Though we may never fully grasp the extent of God's holiness, we do need to ask the question, what does being holy mean to me? What does being holy mean to us as God's people gathered together as church? Is this a holy church? In our opening hymn, we sang that, one of that song, didn't we? Holy, holy, God almighty. And it's just to remind us all, we can never study the Bible diligently without being struck by that very obvious fact, that slightly awkward fact sometimes, that God is holy 
and both in our personal lives and our corporate lives, we must not forget so. We are called by God to be holy. We are set aside by God for his goodwill. Leviticus 20, you are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, I am holy and I have set you apart from the nations. I set you apart to be my own. Some other Bible translations of that verse are quite instructive as well. The Amplified Version uh, translates in this way. As the one who called you is holy, you yourselves are also to be holy in all of your conduct and manner of living. And I looked at the NLT, and again that comes down in a different way. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God is, who chose you to be his children. Spurgeons, Charles Spurgeons, said this. He said, don't only be moral or upright or truthful, but be holy. That's a very high attainment. But children should be like their fathers. There are many children who bear in their very faces evidence of their parents. You know who their parents were by the image that the child bears. Oh, that it will always be so with the children of God. Be holy because I am holy. See your model. You are far short of it. But try again, and may the power of Jesus rest upon you. And may he call you to his likeness, continuing his work in us until we are like our Lord himself. That was Charles Spurgeon's. So this morning I just want to take a closer look at what we mean when we think about holiness. And the first thing I'm going to do is make a distinction between righteousness and holiness. And uh, I'm going to click this on now. Oh, it worked. <clears throat> I've heard people confuse these two, and I just want to separate them out again because they're different. Um, being righteous, or in, in other older language sometimes, being justified, uh, you hear it in the church, being put right uh, before God, it, it talks about being uh, guiltless and blameless. Whereas being holy is more about being set apart, being sanctified for a particular purpose. And it implies uh, you've been called aside and taken aside for God's service. Now, we are made righteous before God on the day we accept Christ as our personal Lord and Saviour. Jesus, who died for our sins on that terrible cross so that we do not have to. But from that day, from that minute, from that hour, we set out on a life of discipleship, learning how to live holy lives, submitting ourselves to the oft sometimes painful process of being made holy. It's a gargantuan task if you gaze in the mirror, but it is one we cannot undertake in our own strength, but only in cooperation with the Holy Spirit who's given to us for this very purpose. So righteousness and holiness, one is completed in the work of Christ, but the second is a life-giving, ongoing work. One follows the other. Jesus has opened up, as it were, the way of holiness to us so that it might become a growing reality in our lives. 
but it is a goal towards which we must struggle towards, strive towards, always trusting in the foundation stone of Christ through whom our holiness has become a possibility. It's not a work we do on our own. It's not a work we do because we, we think we're good people. It's always founded on Christ, but the journey continues. Hebrews 10 and verse 14, the writer says, By one sacrifice he has made us perfect, righteous, forever. Those who are, being, for those who are then being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, this is the covenant that I will make with them at that time. I will put my law in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. And he adds, their sins and their lawless acts I will remember no more. We are set right before God for our faith in Jesus, but the work of being made holy is one that goes on throughout our lives and it is one that is vitally important that we engage with personally, in our personal lives, but also corporately as church. Again, the writer of the Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 14, make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy, for without holiness no one will see the Lord. I don't know if you've heard of D.A. Carson. He's a, he writes sometimes in the Christianity Today, but he's a, you know, a well-known Christian writer. And he said this about holiness. He said, people do not drift towards holiness. Apart from grace-driven effort, people do not gravitate towards godliness, prayer, obedience to scripture, faith and delight in the Lord. We drift instead towards compromise, and we call it tolerance. We drift instead towards disobedience, and we call it freedom, towards superstition, and we call it faith. He goes on, he says, we cherish the indiscipline of a lack of self-control and we can call it relaxation. And then we slip into prayerlessness, we delude ourselves into thinking we have escaped legalism and we slide slowly towards godlessness, persuading ourselves that we have been liberated. Carson's point is that our growth in holiness doesn't happen naturally. In fact, the natural world will naturally take us in the opposite direction. And we need to work with the Spirit against that. We need to pursue holiness. Not just being holiness, but it's something we strive towards. In our reading, verse 13 says, Therefore prepare your minds for action. Get ready to go. Be self-controlled, setting your hope fully on the grace that has been given to you in Jesus Christ. I also think when we pursue holiness, we are, it's a very important way of expressing our love to God. We express our love to God in many ways. We do other things. But one of the things that God wants from us is that we pursue him and pursue holiness. And we have to strive towards it. Again, another writer, Mayer, he, again, one of the theologians, he says, holiness is wholeness. That is, he said, it's the wholehearted devotion of a whole nature to God, the consecration of every power to his service. This leads us to lean hard on God, seeking his companionship and fellowship in all situations. 
there's very much a practical feel about this. You know, sometimes people think about holiness as a you know, floaty, floaty. But you know, as I read these and I read the scriptures, I read about now this is about you know, feet on the ground and trying to work towards God in this world. Again, one more writer. This, this guy seems to summarize what holiness looks like, and I think it's very helpful, and why it's very imperative, it's important for believers to recognize this. So he says, holiness is the habit of agreeing with the mind of God in accordance with his scriptures. A holy person will endeavor to turn away from every known sin and to keep every known commandment. A holy person strives to be like our Lord Jesus. A holy person pursues and exhibits the fruits of the Spirit. Meekness, endurance, gentleness, patience, kindness, self-control. A holy person pursues self-denial. A holy person pursues love and kindness. A holy person pursues the spirit of mercy and justice towards others. A holy person pursues a purity of heart. And most important, the holy person pursues the fear of the Lord. Holiness is all-encompassing in all of our behaviour. It doesn't just exist on a Sunday morning or when we're having a quiet prayer time. The call is to be holy, holy, if you follow me, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy, 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 not for it to be part of our lives, but for it to be encompassing all of our lives. Every word, deed, reflecting something of our Lord. So that calls us to holy behaviour, not just on Sunday morning, not just when we're in a prayer meeting, not when we know we're meant to be looking, you know, being nice to each other, but it calls us to holiness seven days a week, 24 hours a day. It leaves no place for difference between what we might call the sacred and the secular. That's nonsense. That's a convenient way of separating things out to excuse probably for behaviours that are far from holy. So in our reading, Peter says, the goal of our lives of discipleship, but in all aspects of our lives, we should strive to be holy so that everything we do might be done for the glory of God. It seems like a mountain we can't climb on our own. It seems too big, doesn't it? But I think Paul spoke about this in very personal words and very helpfully as well in Philippians 3. He said, not that I have already obtained all this, not that I've already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I strain on towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. My baptism verse, verse is in the middle there, 3.12. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I don't know about you as a Christian, it always amazes me that God wished to take hold of me in the first place. You know? But he does. And he calls me and continues to call me. And he calls each one of us. This is the Christian fight. This is the Christian life. And it can be sometimes hard 
and it can be bloody sometimes as well. But let's not forget the solid ground on which we stand. God has, as it were, in a sense, created a safety net for us in the cross of Christ. We cannot fall outside of his grasp of saving grace. So we don't need to face this fight with fear and anxiety. But we face it looking at Jesus, gazing at him, staring at him in the face, as it were, with resolve that comes from his presence. We can be firm in the knowledge of the ground on which we stand in Christ. It's the only firm place anybody can stand. Firm through the cross of Christ, but also firm and assured of the companionship of the Spirit given to every believer for this very purpose and this very walk of discipleship. God has equipped us well for the road, the way of holiness he's called us out upon. He hasn't left us ill-equipped by the roadside, you know. But he has equipped us well. If only we will reach out and take hold of all that he has provided for us. Isaiah 35, verse 8. A highway will be there. A highway, it's not like a back lane, is it? A highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey upon it. They cannot journey upon it. But it will be for those who walk in that way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. So this sense of pursuing holiness, the sense of God's equipping us to do so, and his call for us to do so. And we also, within that, we do look to the Spirit as the, are making this possible. Without God, this is not a, something we can do. It's the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit who seeks to conform and change all that we are, our thoughts, our words, our deeds, closer to the likeness of Christ. As I say, it may seem, and it certainly does seem for me sometimes when I look in the mirror, like an impossible task, even for God. But God simply, for his word, simply asks us to submit ourselves to who he is. There's that image, isn't it, of the potter's hands, in submitting ourselves to the potter. Again, Paul, in Romans 12, he says, I urge you, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Think of discipleship like that. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. For then you will be able to test, and then you will be able to prove what God's will is. His good pleasing and perfect will. So Paul tells us we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. He's not talking about the mere acquisition of knowledge. He's talking about a fundamental change in our values. In Titus, um, Paul speaks of the knowledge of truth that leads to godliness. We must know the truth about godliness and ungodliness before we can start to hate the one and love the other. And to gain that, that truth that leads to godliness, we do need to study the word of God. No Christian who treats the word of God with casual indifference um, or approaches it only sporadically or haphazardly or when they've got a disaster in their lives will progress much towards holiness. We are to be transformed by the Holy Spirit and he does this as our minds are renewed 
through his word. So we do need to pay attention to God's word on a regular basis. We need to study God's word, allowing it not just to settle up here, but to settle down here in our hearts so that it will inform and shape the way we act and behave and speak as we go into the world. There's a psalmist in Psalm 119. You remember Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the Bible, but, and it's a psalm about God's word. It's a psalm of praise to the word of God. And uh, verse 11 of 119 says, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. We tend to act out of our hearts. Our heads come in there somewhere. Normally trying to catch up, actually, or, or apologise. <laughs> And that sense of hiding something conveys the thought of storing something up against a time of future need. And we do this by meditating on God's word, thinking about it, applying its truths into our lives and situations in our days. And that ongoing work is the work of the Spirit, who each one of us have been equipped with and share that presence. But it does require our personal participation and our personal cooperation. God doesn't just wave a wand over us. It'd be lovely if he did. You know, you're saved, it's some stardust, and you're holy. But it isn't God's way, it isn't God's will, it isn't God's wisdom. Is that way of looking at it. God is doing what he thinks is best for us. And this is the way to walk in. So God is holy. Uh, I'll come up to that in a minute. Excuse me. Might we as his children children of by grace, the grace received in Christ, still strive to be holy too. Let us be at work for his glory, pressing, pressing onwards, pressing upwards, taking great care not to take his grace for granted. So just to close, I've got three little quotes here, all of which are quite helpful, I think. Martin Lloyd-Jones I'll put the three up there because it's going to take a while to get them out. There we go. Martin Lloyd Jones, who I'm sure you've heard of. Holiness is not something to be received in a meeting. That's a good one. It is a life to be lived. A life to be lived in detail. Not Sunday mornings, but it includes Sunday mornings. Okay. D.L. Moody, the evangelist. He said, it's a great deal better to live a holy life than to talk about it. We do a lot of talking, don't we? He said, lighthouses do not ring bells or fire cannons to call attention to their shining. They just shine. He doesn't know a lot about lighthouses, but apart from that, I think the principle's all right. <laughs> and finally, Oswald Chambers. Um, holiness, not happiness, is the chief aim or goal of man. And certainly of the Christian, holiness, not happiness, is the chief aim of man. So there we go. There's that scripture. And I'm just going to read it once more. Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy. There we go.